This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back on it is Eaton. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center, and he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host. Neil Solons. Good evening. Welcome to our show. Today we'll look at the 2017 season with one Evan Longoria. Visit from Baltimore with Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times and recap two minor league championships plus hear from some September call-ups. We start, though, with highlights from the week gone by. Welcome back to this week in Rays Baseball. Evan Longoria now joins us, our featured guest. Evan, with the season now a little more than a week before wrapping up, what's your take on what this year has been like? Um... I mean, it's it's been uh, one of those years that's probably had uh, uh, the same, if not more, ups and downs than, than any other year. Um, we've been um, inconsistent, to say the least. Um, I think it's it's been, you know, frustrating uh, from a, uh, per, not only a personal standpoint, but from a team standpoint as well. Um, I think that there there was a lot of expectations in the uh, in the beginning um, from the group. Um, I think we believe that we were a, a, a great team, you know, capable of doing a lot of things and uh, a lot of good things. And um, for whatever reason, you know, we've we've kind of been fighting an uphill battle all year. So, um, you know, you, you, you still keep hope. Um, we, I always say at the end of the year, you know, it's like you're not out of it until you're mathematically eliminated, and we've seen crazier things happen. And so, um, you know, the group in there is still positive and um, enjoying playing together, but uh, frustrating definitely to to kind of not see those expectations met. There were two points I want to touch on. One, you won three of four against Boston at the All Star break, and I thought at that point this team has a real chance to make a run. And then all the additions at the deadline atop of Adani, Romo, Ciszek, Jennings, Duda, have you been able to put your finger on what was missing? Um, just production, you know, that's, that's the only thing that, uh, that I can say um, it was the missing piece is just going out and getting it done. And, and uh, you know, you, you, I think from a, a top-down standpoint, um, uh, you, you know, upper management all the way down to the players, um, if you had an answer for those questions, you would uh, you would address it right away and and uh, you know get get the team back on track as quickly as possible. And um, I don't think that it was for lack of ability, lack of players. Um, I just I just think that uh, for one reason or another, we weren't able as a group to to put it all together at one time and and get on a good run. You're in essence, for a lack of a better word or words, the de facto captain. What would you do? What do you think they should do? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, there, there's, there's only so much um, in this game. You know, it's, it's not like, uh, I mean, for lack of a, a better analogy or, you know, I guess a more recent one for, for us to remember is, you know, I, I can't be Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. You know, it's, it's, baseball is a different game. It's, it's not, it's not uh, constructed that way. You know, if you've got a guy uh, who is as good as him, um, that can take the game into his own hands and, and you know, make it happen, um, then, you know, it, it, that's possible. But in baseball, you know, you get one at bat every three innings and, and you know, you can only make the plays that, that come to you when, when you're called upon. And so, um, and, and it goes the same for, for everybody on the team. You know, pitchers get one out of every five days to go out there and do, you know, what they're capable of doing. The bullpen, you know, gets one or two or three innings at a time and, and so on and so forth. So. You know, it's it's a matter of individual performance, but it can't be done without the group. You can't. There's no one person that can do it by themselves, and uh, that's the beautiful thing about baseball. That's why, um, you know, I think the season is so long for that reason. It really weeds out the teams that are are um, you know not championship caliber teams, and and you get the. You, you usually get the the best team at the end of the year uh, when you crown a World Series champion, and so. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, we just we just didn't um, perform up to, to to the ability that we were capable of. Do you come to the end of the season hopeful for next year, or um, I I, I kind of try not to think about the next year. You know, um, I think at the end of the season for me, uh, it's more about trying to reflect on uh, you know personal and and team. Um, accomplishments and and um, and what we didn't accomplish you know and and what um, mm -hmm. what is possible to change for next year you know what can I do personally and what can we do as a group um, collectively to to be better and and so I, I don't want to I don't really look forward um, to next year because it, it, it a lot changes you know um, I, I think we we really liked our group this year and um, I think that you know if I had my way, we'd keep a lot the same. Um, you know, obviously there's some changes that, that can be made um, that are going to make us better. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I think talent-wise, there was a lot there. And, and, and we, we, we just left a, a lot to be desired in terms of what we could have done. Personally, off the field, it seems like it's been a really good year for you. This week you had the signature series with Kawa Coffee. How did that come about and why was it so important to you? Um, it came about really quickly, um, basically just because I drink Kawa and I, I like Kawa and I, uh, um, I drive by it every morning for the most part. And um, I, uh, since I've gotten involved with Duckies, um, I've, I've kind of made it a goal, I guess, to be more involved in the community with um, local companies. Um, but the stuff that means something to me, you know, not just put, throwing my, my hat in, in, in every um, arena and coffee seemed like a good fit. You know, I drink coffee every morning. I, uh, I enjoy the brand. And um, I, originally, it was uh, just a message from myself to their uh, Instagram account, just kind of reaching out and saying, "Hey, uh, you know, it's me. And uh, if you guys are interested in doing anything, I'd love to, you know, kind of be a partner and and uh, um, see where we can go from there and and from there it, it uh, moved forward pretty quickly they were um, 
pretty excited to, to hear from me and have me on board. And then we kind of started talking about ideas. And, uh, and I was equally as excited, you know, because like I said, if I get uh, something in my head, I usually want to like make it happen. Um, and so for it to happen that quickly was exciting. And we uh, uh, originally started talking about doing a uh, kind of a signature series. And then it evolved very quickly into not just having it sold for, for profit, but for it benefiting, you know, whatever the cause was we felt um, needed it the most or was, was uh, closest to everybody's heart at that point. And um, so now, you know, being that South Florida and the Keys has been devastated by, you know, hurricanes as of late. Um, uh, well, obviously not only South Florida, you know, all the way down into the Caribbean, but um, closer to home for us in, in Florida, uh, it, it made sense for, for that to be the first thing that, that we would give back to. And this comes on the heels of being the Rays nominee for the Roberto Clemente Award, which I'm sure has to mean something to you. Yeah, those, those awards are always very special um, to be, you know, even if you don't win the big one, even if you don't um, end up being the one at the end of the year that, that wins, even if you don't end up being the one at the end of the year that, that uh, wins the big award, it's still something that your team um, and the people around you that are closest to you throughout the course of the year are, are, are noticing that you're uh, making an impact in the community and, and giving back um, in, a, uh, in a special way. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's an honor. Um, I got to meet Roberto Clemente's son, which was, was cool, and he gave me a ball that they uh, do for, uh, I believe he said, a league in Puerto Rico or something. So it's, you know, it's not a baseball that everybody gets to, to have, and um, so that, that uh, along with the, the trophy, is, is pretty cool. It'll be up in my trophy room. This is kind of a week, too, where you can look back a little bit. It's almost like a reunion week. David Price was here with the Red Sox, of course, Joe, and Ben Zobrist, among others, with the Cubs. Do you reflect back much on 08, and if so, what sticks out to you? I don't really, to be honest with you. I, <laughs> I think playing baseball for so long, I've uh, developed this like short-term memory loss. Like I, uh, I, I tr sometimes I try and think back to times, and I forget a lot of it. Um, the season goes so fast. You know, we play so many games. There's there's a lot of things that um, go forgotten in this game. But um, you know, the 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 feelings. Um, the emotions, uh, the sense of accomplishment that um, we had as a group in 2008, um, being with those guys, um, that those feelings never go away. You know, you, you don't forget how it how it felt. Um, you know, when I caught that ball down down the line, and and you know, we we clinched our first playoff berth. Um, you know, winning in, in uh, each stage of the postseason, um, moving on, and then ultimately moving to the World Series. I mean, those um, memories and feelings never go away, and um, it's it's special to think back to the guys who you did it with. You know, because those group those groups will, um, you know, you'll forever be linked together, and so. Um, I think that's part of the reason why it's so special when they come back here, um, because they're linked to, to those groups. So what did it feel like, since most people don't know that feeling, when Aki stepped on second? Um, hey, man, it's uh, it's it's you know, like a weight lifted off your shoulders, you know, because you, you work so hard um, and uh, you, you experience so many ups and downs throughout the course of the year that... Um, it's almost like, uh, I mean, it's just like justification, you know, for all those hours and all the time and all the, uh, um, the pain and, and uh, all of the, um, 
the failure really um, that's because this game is all it's all failure you know all we do is fail and so when you have moments like that um, it's the, the it's what you play for you know whether it's just getting a base hit or hitting a home run or you know that is like the ultimate um, feeling of success you know and and um, it's there's not really words to describe it other than just like pure joy you know and like you feel like a kid again you feel like you're back you know playing a little league when it wasn't about going to the World Series or, or you know, winning a, a ring or a pennant or any of that. It was, mo it was more about like you're pumped to get a hot dog and a, and a slushy after the game or something. You know, it's, it's a more like a much more, um, I don't know if primal is the word, but you know, it like takes you back to like being a kid again on the baseball field. That's Evan Longoria and we hope more feelings like that for him and the Rays in the future. Coming up from Baltimore, Mark Topkin from the Tampa Bay Times will join us right after this on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in Rays Baseball. I'm your host, Neil Solons. Time now to look back in the past week and really the past season for that matter. And maybe we'll look forward a little bit too. Joining us from Baltimore, Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Topper, thanks very much for coming on. Anytime, Neil. Always the highlight of the week. Well, you also have a highlight of trying to figure out who the MVP of this team is by looking at your Twitter account. You've got a poll up there for fans who do want to vote at Times underscore Rays. How hard has this been for you to decide on the team's MVP for 2017? This has been a tough one, Neil. I mean, a lot of years it's pretty obvious, uh, or there's at least two guys, and, you know, it's like, okay, A or B, they're both worthy. But this has been tough. I, uh, I'm starting to think MVP means most vexing proposition because it's been <laughs> tough to try to figure this one out and, I put the four candidates up there on the on the Twitter feed, and, and then I've had people you know tell me I left people out, whether it was Corey Dickerson, whether it was Evan Longoria, whether it was Tommy Hunter, which was an, actually an interesting suggestion somebody made, mm -hmm. Alex Cobb. I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways to look at this. And, you know, look, the reality is there was no standout player for the Rays this year. There were a lot of guys who had standout months or several months or even three months. I mean, Corey Dickerson comes to mind, but they just dropped off, you know, in his case, at the end of June and, and really haven't recovered. Then there have been guys like Kevin Kiermaier who have come on really strong at the end, but there's just been nobody uh, in my mind who's been, you know, really good all year. The closest to that would be Alex Coleman. He's obviously a guy I'm giving a lot of thought to. Which I certainly would understand. I mean, I think it's probably easier to find or, or less people to choose from if you're p picking maybe the biggest surprise of the season, which I would assume also would be part of Sunday's Tampa Bay Times. Yeah, we're going to run through. I, I try to do this every year, the biggest surprise, the uh, biggest disappointment, and then the MVP. And they've all been interesting. And, and this year there were a lot of guys on the biggest surprise list, and there were a lot of guys on the biggest disappointment list too. So it's, it's always a good exercise for me too because, you know, sometimes we get so caught up in the day-to-day the -day that you, you kind of lose sight of the bigger picture sometimes, and it's good to step back and look at that. You know, our listeners just heard from Evan Longoria on the program, and, you know, one of the things I asked him was, what would you do going forward now? Yeah, unless uh, this team goes on a great run and finishes what seven and one in the final eight games, they're going to finish fi under five hundred or at five hundred, five hundred or below for a fourth straight season. How much change do you expect going into this off season? Evan obviously liked the core and was hoping it stays intact. Right, and that's usually you know kind of the default mode for a lot of the players that they have, and partially because you know they're speaking about you know, guys they've spent all year with and their friends and things like that, but. I do think that there'll be a lot of changes here, in part because there's so many free agents. A couple of those are guys they brought in. Steve Ciszek and Lucas Duda are two of them that came over in the trades. But Tommy Hunter's a free agent. Logan Morrison's a free agent. Uh, those are two big ones. Alex Cobb's a free agent. That's another big one. And there's some lesser parts as well. Sergio Romo, for example. Peter Borges, guys like that. But, you know, that's a pretty good core if you think of what Ciszek has done, what Duda has done, what Hunter's done, and certainly what Alex Cobb has done. So there'll be some change incumbent with that. I don't think any of those guys will be back necessarily. And, 
you know, there'll be some guys that arbitration-wise price themselves out of the market as well. And and the other piece of this is something you know you wrote about a little bit uh, earlier in the week. The fact that the AAA affiliate Durham won a championship. They've got some very young players. Whether it's starting pitchers like Brent Honeywell, Yanni Chirinos, Ryan Yarbrough, their top position player prospects Jake Bowers and Willie Adamas, or Diego Castillo, a standout reliever. Yeah, and that's going to be part of the mix. And you know, do the Rays want to go with some of these young guys at the start of the year? Do they want to wait as they sometimes do? Whether it's for uh, baseball purposes to give these guys more experience, or sometimes it's for different purposes. It's for contractual purposes and financial purposes where they're better served waiting until, you know, a guy gets passed like the Super 2 eligibility window, which is often in early June. So there's lots of different factors that go into this. They do have some young talent, but and I, I always make this comparison, Neil. It's kind of like the backup quarterback syndrome for fans that mm-hmm. follow football. Just because a player at the big league level, let's just say Jake Odorizzi, was struggling for all, he's not doing well. The people screaming for Brent Honeywell to get called up, well, they're making a, a bigger assumption there that Brent Honeywell is going to step in and succeed at the big league level because he did so at the AAA level. The better assumption, the safer assumption, is a veteran like Jake Odorizzi is going to figure it out and get better. But, but people sometimes, that's what, you know, they want to see the younger kids, they want to see the new guys, and they kind of build that into to their thought process. And, and I don't think teams nationally do that because they realize those veterans are usually the guys with the better track record. And I think we saw that, well, kind of the yin and yang of it. You know, you had on one side, you had Jake Faria, who came in and really emerged and did extremely well to start his big league career. But you also had a guy like Blake Snell, who was coming off, you know, playing the good portion of last year at the big league level and had to be sent down to the minors to figure it out again. Really, and actually twice. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know that second, you know, demotion was kind of changed because Alex Cobb went on the DL. But the bottom line is the Rays had sent him down for a second time, and it took until that moment. And I think you saw a tremendous point of demarcation in his season. You know, since then he's been so much better, and maybe it just took the, the shock factor there or you know, kind of a rededicating himself. I know he's been working a lot harder and doing a lot more, but it, it's just so hard to predict. And that's what makes this game, you know, so interesting and so frustrating for the people that run it is, you know, you, you, Neil, you know better than any of us. There's there's books filled with names of players in the minors that were going to be great players that never did it in the big leagues. And there's big leaguers on every team that never got a chance or much attention in the minor leagues and became really good big league players. I mean, Kevin Kiermaier is a pretty good example of that. No doubt. I, I think the other thing that's hard to figure out from this season, and I'm, I'm curious your take on it, is, you know, I, Evan, I asked him, okay, was there something missing with this club? Because they added so many parts at the deadline. They won the series against Boston before the break. They seem to be good in good shape. And he said, it's not talent, it's production. And I think that's the hard thing for the Rays to decide. Was it not enough talent? Or were these guys who were talented enough who just didn't produce enough? Yeah, and, and that is a very difficult question, and it's one that a lot of teams ask themselves. And, you know, were they good enough to win and they didn't win because certain guys let them down? Or did they have certain guys that they missed because of injury? Did they rely too heavily on some people? You know, there, there's so many different factors that go into this, and, and the, you know, the equation is what solves the riddle, and it's very hard for these guys to do it. Because I, the other piece of this, I think probably the Rays had enough talent to win a second wild card this year. Because, look, right now Minnesota is the only team in the group that's actually over 500 anymore. Uh, and, and they played very well against Minnesota. But um, you look at going forward, Boston and New York have very, very young cores. Houston and Cleveland are not going anywhere. The top four teams seem to have maybe a, a pretty good distance between themselves and the rest of the pack right now. Yeah, I think you're right, and, and that's you know part of the challenge the Rays face. It's not just beating the big boys in the AL East anymore. There's some pretty good teams, as you mentioned, in Cleveland and Houston and some other teams that are building in that direction. So it's going to be a challenge for the Rays. It's never going to get easier. They're always going to be playing from behind financially against some of these teams. So 
they have to find and develop their own players. I mean, you could certainly have a long conversation and discussion about if they got enough out of their farm system or not, especially position player-wise. But you know, they've got to develop the players internally to have the options to then supplement, and that's how they're going to win. The other big piece of this week was the fact that, obviously, Joe Madden returned, and you wrote about it a lot in the Tampa Bay Times, and I welcome people to go back and read if they haven't. What were the biggest takeaways, Mark, to you about this week and the, and the short visit to the TROP? I, I thought it was handled well on all sides, Neil. I thought that Joe Madden you know, came back with the right approach. He said the right things. He didn't, you know, there was, I mean, he had no reason to say anything negative about anybody. He said, I talked to him before he came in, he said it was all going to be all warm fuzzies for him. He was looking forward to seeing everybody. And I thought, you know, he played it very well. He was very courteous, spent a lot of time with a lot of different people. And I thought the Rays handled it well, too. I mean, I look, there were some bruised feelings, obviously, and, and there may still be. But, you know, the video was nice. They handled that properly. And, you know, I know there was some attention, including in our paper. Tom Jones wrote a really interesting column about, you know, the crowd being so pro-Cub. What did that say about the market? And I think you can come to your own conclusions on that. But I will say this. There was some energy in the ballpark, and there hasn't been that for a while this season. There have been a lot of nights when there hasn't been. So, in that regard, I think that went well, too. So if you look at it from all facets and the team split the game, so it's kind of a win-win for everybody. How do you view, you know, now we're a couple of years or three years removed, how do you see Joe's legacy going forward? I asked him that question in the in the big news conference. Well, I know he'll tell you that his legacy is relaxing dress codes throughout Major League Baseball, and he gets a good laugh out of that. But I think Joe Madden's legacy with the Rays is, is very self-evident. I mean, he was the manager of the team that transformed from the Devil Rays, the dark Devil Rays days of being a joke throughout baseball and a last-place losing team to being one of the most successful teams and making the playoffs four times over six years. Did he do all of that on his own? Absolutely not. But was he the guy that you know took the front office's ideas and some of their very interesting and, and somewhat even revolutionary-type uh, thought processes and implemented them and got players to buy into them and helped them sort it out? And I thought one of the most interesting things he said uh, during the two days he was at the TROP was, that he and Andrew Friedman had some very loud and very serious arguments in his office at times over, you know, how to kind of find a middle ground on some of the front, some of the stuff the front office wanted to do more statistical and sabermetric and Joe wanting to make sure to balance the heartbeat and the players and the human element and what was realistic. And that they found that middle ground. And I think that's in a way Joe's legacy was he implemented so many of these things, some of his own doing, some of his front office is doing, but he implemented them successfully at the big league level. No doubt. Mark, we certainly would have been like to be a fly on the wall for those discussions and enjoyed all your coverage this week and look forward to tomorrow and your disappointments, your MVP, and your surprises. I, t- I will tell you this, Neil, you did not make the disappointment list, so you can sleep easy tonight. Phew. All right. That's Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Let's pause right now for station identification of the Race Baseball Network. Continue on this week in Rays Baseball. September, of course, an interesting month where you try to win, but also get young players some experience when you can. Andrew Kittredge certainly fits in both categories. He's been up and down four times, and here in September had significant opportunity pitching on seven occasions. To Kittredge, just a chance to be here in September meant a great deal. I mean, I knew it was a possibility. You know, I had a pretty good year in, in Durham there, and, and uh, you know, I was hoping that it was uh, something that was going to happen, and I'm just... Uh, blessed and happy to be back what has allowed you to have the kind of year you've had um a lot of uh great coaching i mean you know kyle snyder down there in durham is is one of the best pitching coaches i've ever had and um just the kind of consistency that i get from him day in and day out um 
and just you know helping me through times when I needed you know a tweak here and there or whatever but uh, you know that and then just you know just approach just being aggressive and and uh, you know I think that's pretty much what's uh, attributed to my success this year so how has he helped make you better he you know he stays out of your way when things are going good he you know he He's very knowledgeable and, and can help you uh, fix, you know, the littlest thing or a major thing. So um, I just think he really has a good feel for, um, you know, his pitchers individually and collectively, um, you know, and he's he's just able to help guys, you know, no matter what their issue is. So This year you obviously made your big league debut. So how do you hope to use September as kind of a jumping off point going forward? Well, definitely, you know, gaining um, some experience, you know, um, you know, being at this level and and hopefully uh, learning from mistakes and building off of, you know, successes. So um, like you said, you know, trying to use this to move forward, you know, I'm just hoping to uh, gain as much experience as I can and learn from, you know, guys that have been here for a long time and had success. Um, that's kind of what I hope to gain out of it. So, Is there also something to just seeing more big league hitters and just learning? You know, some people say it's a different game or it's different up here. What's the biggest difference you've noticed and how do you think that'll, you know, help you to, you know, or how do you do adjust now that you see that? Well, I think the biggest difference that I've noticed is they don't miss mistakes you know I mean for me as a pitcher you know that my my job is to eliminate the mistakes that I make and and give hitters fewer good pitches to hit and uh, I think that's the biggest difference for me is that they you know they take advantage of your mistakes so um, for me it's just trying to eliminate mistakes and and knowing when you can be more aggressive in the zone and and uh, um, going from there so I think that's the biggest difference that I've noticed is just uh, you know they're going to make you pay if you make a mistake so you got to make sure that you're a little bit more careful not necessarily passive but just uh, you know picking your spots to be aggressive that's Andrew Kittredge who's done well in that area so far he has a 225 ERA in 12 outings with the Rays and in seven September appearances has allowed just one earned run now Ryan Stanek hasn't had nearly the success of Kittredge and we discussed at the start of the month why being up in September was appreciated it meant a lot because it's one of those things where coming up when we did it was something where obviously they think that I am in a position where I can go out and do something to help the team win in a playoff push so that obviously means a lot that like to be thought of at least to be at least of some value to help and see see what we can do for the rest of the season your second time up was better than your first are there things that you've learned along the way that you think are going to help you a lot going forward and if so what are they Oh yeah, like every like everything that I feel like I've done so far, every game that I pitch in, I've learned something good, bad, whatever. It's something that like I've picked up and trying to be more confident, more aggressive in certain situations, knowing when to be aggressive, like in like trusting my stuff and all that. It's it's it just becomes a lot, and like a lot of it is knowing the hitters a little bit better because it's a lot of a lot of guys I've never faced before. So you go up there and. You make one good pitch, they make an adjustment, and it's like something that you're like, oh, that could have been a strength of his that he just missed, and you throw it again, you get hurt, or something like something to that effect. It's just it's a lot of like learning hitters and refining a little bit of command and execution and stuff. So um, it's it's definitely definitely something like that that I've learned a lot. How different is it? here versus there and sometimes people say well you know you're when you're at triple a well that worked here and it wouldn't work there 
do you kind of see sometimes what that means now too? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's it's definitely some like something where you make a good pitch. It, it could be a good pitch, well executed, well located, but they get it, and it's one of those things. I feel like in AAA, you make a good pitch, and instead of the hitter trying to stay on it and stay with it and going the other way and like just taking up taking the ball off the barrel. They try to get big and do something more with it and do too much, and then you get a good result, or they swing and miss or something like that. And then here it's they're more apt to hit a hit a good pitch really, really well as opposed to at that level. That's I feel like that's one of the biggest differences is like they know their approach, they've been doing it for a long time, they they stay within themselves and then nothing is gonna like phase them in that regards. They they stick with they with what they know they're good at, and then they execute their game plan against what we're trying to do. And then it's like that cat and mouse game, trying to figure out the best way to get them out. Who's been most helpful for you? Because you know, having been here a couple times in kind of mentoring, like on off field, probably Tommy Hunter. He's been the dude that's like taken me under his wing and taught me a lot. And like Sergio Romo has been really good, just kind of telling me how things go and like I've known Odorizzi for a long time and Kyle's been really good so like it's it's been it's been a good group for like I feel like a young guy to come in and play and Archer's been awesome it's just like it's just been like a group effort basically because I feel like everybody that's been here since I've been up a couple times has been really really great like if I have questions that they answer them or we'll talk about just anything and it it, it makes a big difference to have those those vets around that are like good and supportive and like they they really like help you out. Your stuff is obviously good enough to click here. I don't think anyone doubts that. So how do you hope to use September as a jumping off point for 2018 too? Oh yeah, I agree. Um, I think it's it's just one of those things where getting more experience, more some more outings, especially in some really meaningful games, and then like. I was more like going out and just knowing I can if I go out and execute and do what I'm supposed to be doing, and then just have everything kind of build from there because I feel like I can do it. My stuff I feel like plays, and now it's just to go go out and execute and be ready to pitch whenever my name's called. That's Ryan Stanick, who has struck out nine and four in a third September innings, but also has allowed four runs over that stretch. Now for third string catcher Kurt Casale, opportunities in September have been limited, but he's still grateful to be with the big club. You know, obviously it wasn't how I anticipated the year going, but, um, you know, went down to AAA, worked hard, felt like I had a positive impact on some of the younger guys, and, um, you know, to be rewarded for that and come up in September is, uh, you know, it, it feels it feels just as good as it did the first time. What did you learn about yourself? What did you learn during the course of this year? I learned I could still hit. That's 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 for one thing. And, uh, and when I get consistent at bats, um, good things usually happen. Um, you know, I, I learned that this is uh, a fun but a, a cruel game. And, um, you know, no matter how comfortable you think you are in a position of uh, within the organization or the club, that, um, you know, there's always a possibility of it, it not working out. So, um, you know, I tested myself early on to, you know, remain positive. But overall, I felt pretty good about my year and uh and happy to be back you mentioned the impact that you might have had on some of the guys in durham i mean they put up an unbelievable year 30 games over 500 how good was the group you had because i know from a pitching standpoint they sent all kinds of international league records yeah um i I think they definitely they set the the minor league strikeout record on top of the international league strikeout record so you know being a catcher i I take great pride in that um 
I don't know how much I had to do with it, but those guys can really throw the ball down there. And then you got players like Jake Bowers, Pat Leonard, Johnny Field, um, among others that are in there every single day and, and, and working hard. So we, we had a really great year. Um, it definitely you know, takes the sting of being in AAA out of it when you're winning that much and, and uh, being able to, you know, trash the clubhouse when you celebrate and, and clinch the division. So that was, that was, you know, a really fun part of the year, and I'm proud, proud of those guys, and uh, I was proud to be a part of their team for the year. Having had the major league experience you have and having seen a lot of those guys all year, how impactful long-term do you think that pitching group will be here? Probably pretty impactful. Um, you know, you got guys that aren't you know aren't even on the radar yet, really, in terms of the grand scheme of things, like like a Yanni Chirinos, like a, like a Diego Castillo, um, Yarborough flashed a little bit in spring training. Honeywell, nobody's even really seen because he wasn't in big league camp with us, but he's he's the real deal too. And um, you know, sprinkling a, a couple other guys, and um, they uh, they have a chance for some some big impacts on this club uh, for years to come and, and hopefully get the chance to it pretty soon. And for you, how do you hope to, I guess, use the month of September to help you going forward personally? I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have fun and, uh, you know, it's good to, good to be back with a bunch of my friends. Um, you know, do whatever the club needs me to do. I, you know, I understand I'm the third catcher here and, you know, but, uh, you know, as you saw, I was already in the second game. So, you know, Things can happen. Things can, you know, work themselves out in the, over the course of a game, and uh, whenever they need me, that's what I'm going to do. That is Kurt Casale. More after this on the Race Baseball Network. We continue on this week in Race Baseball, and the Rays had two teams in their minor league system win championships. In fact, one of them won a couple. They won the International League crown and the AAA National Championship. The manager of the Durham Bulls is Jared Sandberg. Jared, congratulations. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having me. Obviously, you guys had a great regular season, but what did it mean to polish it off with the the two championships you won? First, the IL crown where you went through two rounds, and then the one-game playoff uh, that aired nationally. Yeah, I mean, it was a very rewarding season uh, for us to have a tremendous regular season and, and win the, the Southern Division like we did. And, um, and then, like you said, bring an international league championship back to the Durham Bulls family here. I mean, it's just a rich tradition of, of winning that, that Charlie Montoya and Bill Evers you know, started um, and then to cap it off with the AAA National Championship just was icing on the cake. You know, the AAA playoffs are sometimes a very different animal because you can have guys who are wondering, am I getting called up after we're done? What's going to be the story? Um, how did you guys hold it together and play as well as you did? I think uh, the key was just how young the group was. And, you know, they, they were focused on, you know, winning that International League Championship. And then we had to sit around, you know, for three days in Scranton and wait for Memphis to win and wait for that AAA national championship game. So, you know, the guys were, you know, were, were gambling and, and spending some money and having some fun doing that. So uh, it helped kind of take their minds off of, you know, whether or not they were getting called up. But I'm sure it was in the back of their minds. And, and um, But they were able to kind of persevere and, and put that behind them just because I think they were young. Uh, some of those guys weren't on the 40-man roster yet. Um, and so, you know, they, they were able to go out there and compete. One of those guys who's not on the 40-man was named the finals MVP, and that's Jake Bowers. Give me an idea what kind of playoff he had and what kind of year he had. Well, here's a guy that's had you know good experience in the playoffs. I think he's been in the postseason every single uh, year of his career. So, you know, he kind of leaned on that, and and he had a he, I mean, he was he was calm in the batter's box. He played really good first base. Um, but for him to do that after the season, he had some of the ups and downs, and you know, he finished on a 
on a high note, and then obviously finished on an extremely high note, being the MVP of the finals. And, and you know, he was lights out. He was big for us. He had some big hits. Kian Wong in the championship game also had some big hits. He had the grand slam. I know he's not a home run hitter, but what did it mean to see him have that kind of game on that kind of stage? Uh, it was it was it was impressive. You know, he got his uh, two hits in his first two at bats, a single and a double to left field, and then he came up in a big spot and hit the go ahead uh, grand slam uh, with two outs and really picked us up in that in that inning. And um, for him to do that on the stage that he did uh, against the Cardinals, you know, his brother plays uh, with mm-hmm. the Cardinals, and so. Um, on that stage to do that, and, and it really picked us up, and it was it was a huge hit because it allowed us to, you know, uh, the way we mapped out our bullpen in that game, it allowed us. We took the lead right then, and then um, had the lockdown bullpen after that. Having been part of the first uh, Durham Memphis game back in '09, you know that that those Triple uh, A national championship games. I wouldn't say they're – do you treat them differently because you're trying to get a lot of guys in the game and get guys you mentioned you use had mapped out the pitching? It's a lot different than playing a, a full series, right? It is. It's, it's, uh, it's unlike anything else. It's one game. So, you know, whether it's a, a mistake um, or whatever it may be, it, it, it's one game, and anybody can win one game when you're talking about uh, a baseball game. So, um, you know, I talked with the staff to try and figure out what's gonna, what was going to be the best scenario – you know, do we do we play to win like we did all all of the postseason? Do we you know try and get everybody in the game? Uh, if we knew who was getting called up, do we try and protect them and only play you know half a game or something like that? Um, in the end, we we just decided we're just going to play to win and uh, use the guys off the bench as needed. And as far as the bullpen goes, um, you know it was Honeywell's day to pitch, so he was able to come out of the bullpen and pitch a couple innings. Yarbrough uh, had a couple innings left over, so he was able to start the game. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get Yoni Chirinos, who had a tremendous season. We couldn't get him in the game. He's you know pitched over 180 innings on the season, so just the risk reward just wasn't quite there. Um, but then you know to map it out and have Diego Castillo do what he did all postseason and towards the end of our season, just come in and absolutely dominate uh, at the back end of the game and, and, and close out the games in some tight spots. Uh, it was um, we, we definitely played to win just that one game. What do you think it means for a kid? You mentioned Diego and the big spots he pitched in. Because a lot of the, the games he pitched in not only were tight, but you asked him to get four and five outs at the end, which you know is kind of the way modern bullpens are going. What impressed you about the way he handled himself? Well, you know, he's been one of the fastest rising pitching prospects in our organization uh, ever. Um, you know, he's, he's made a rapid ascent, and, and, and it's well-deserved. And I had the luxury of kind of learning about him and, and getting to see him pitch last year in the Arizona Fall League. So knowing that he could go out there and, and go one time through the order, um, and then you know when he when he finally came up here to Durham, he pitched back to back. He pitched multiple innings. He you know he pretty much done everything down there in Montgomery. So he was he was ready to go when he came up here. And he's got actually a very resilient arm where he bounces back nicely. So. Um, you know, even in the championship game, it was a back-to-back situation where he came in and saved the first uh, the game two, uh, or the second win. It would have been game three. And then uh, he came in in a back-to-back situation and got the five outs in game four for the, for the win. Um, but for him to be able to, to fill that, that role and be able to be able to do that um, and then again get five outs uh, or four outs in the championship, I mean, for him to be able to do that and experience that in a high-leverage situation – uh, and clinch championships, uh, it, it only helps him going forward. Jared, having the experience you've had as a player at the major league level and now managing and playing at the AAA level, I'm sure that you understand the question that fans would ask. 
How impactful can this roster be long term at the big league level with the Rays, and in what ways? Well, I mean, you just start with the the top three prospects in uh, Brent Honeywell, Willie Adamas, and Jake Bowers. I mean, that core right there um, could be a you know a huge part of a major league roster going forward and, and make an impact um, pretty quick. Uh, those guys are really talented. They're still young, and uh, they're exciting players to watch on a daily basis and and i'll tell you what they they like honeywell wants the ball uh jake and willie they just want to play and uh, you know when they're not in the lineup they're itching to get in the lineup somehow some way and impact the game and uh that those three guys are going to be around for a while one guy who did go up right after the the championship was daniel robertson how much did you see him grow because you really didn't get regular at bats um here at the big league level just because of the circumstances yeah, he, he came down with the right mindset. You know, he's still, he's still fairly young, and, you know, he knew he didn't get the uh, at-bats that he needed in the big leagues. So for him to come down with the right mindset and uh, get the at-bats, you know, he, he was very appreciative of, of uh, what we did. And he said he had a lot of fun playing baseball and winning the championship. So uh, he was a big part of uh, our roster, our team at the end, and, and he swung the bat really well. And um, the growth was, was tremendous, even though in the playoffs he only played third base. But, you know, he's above average defender at shortstop and second base, and he he showed that in the regular season when he was here. And for you, you know, winning uh, and development obviously are, are the two pieces of the Rays farm system. How important is the winning, do you think, to helping these kids grow? Uh, it's, it's a huge part of it. I mean, we talk about development all the time, but this year uh, the, the player development staff and, and front office, you know, said let's, let's – go out there and try and develop winners and it's extremely important uh, not only does it help in the clubhouse culture but it helps the culture of the organization and as our guys get to the big leagues they're going to be able to bring that winning culture up there jared congratulations on a great year enjoy the off season and i'm sure we'll talk to you soon sounds good thanks for having me neil that's durham's jared sandberg one of two Rays affiliates to win a championship hudson valley the other their manager is craig albert as who now joins us albie you started the year as a coach with durham so does this mean you get two rings uh that's the rumor yeah neil thank you yeah yeah so uh you know we'll see i'm i'm excited you should be and and obviously now with the, the big club we'll get to that in a little bit i mean what did it mean first of all to win a championship with hudson valley uh your first year managing i mean yeah that it meant a lot just you know doing that my first year but uh, it was more importantly like uh i was excited for those guys i mean we started the year off you know we had an 11 game losing streak early in our year we started the year off six and two and then we lost 11 straight um you know playing well you know we stayed the course and kept on telling the guys to focus on the little things and try to keep it light energy wise and uh you know we ended up winning 14 in a row in the back half of the year and putting ourselves in the playoffs so it's uh to see those guys celebrate on the field after the grind of the season was uh, was special. And you take a look at what you did in the playoffs. You beat the Yanks affiliate in uh, Staten Island and then beat the A's affiliate in Vermont. And in both those series, you had, what, 13 inning games in each? Yes, yes. The first game of each of each series was 13 innings, yes. And you guys found a way in both of those. What did that show about the character of the group you had? I mean, that's that's been the whole year. It's funny you use the phrase, find it, we found a way. I mean, that's what... I preached every game was just find a way, you know, f- find a way to get the job done, find a way to win this game. You know, it was just, it was a testament to those guys. We battled every, I mean, even that 11 game losing streak, we were in every game. Not once did we get you know, blown out. Um, it was just the little things that we just felt, we felt short on. And then when we came time to win, like, especially in the playoffs and that 14 game winning streak, you know, the little things 
improved immensely for us to, to win. So those guys, to find a way to, to grind through an, uh, an extra inning game, 13 inning game in the playoffs, wasn't surprising to me. Um, I knew we had that with the, our bullpen and our pitching and what our guys can do offensively. I, I knew we had a chance. Terrific stuff. And, you know, you look at the, the types of games you played and the fact that you beat the Yankees in the opening round. How important is that? I mean, to, to let them learn about what the rivalry is against uh, the Yankees teams in their division when they get started in pro ball. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that starts with, uh, you know, coming down from our farm director, Mick Lukasic. I mean, every time he says that we play the Red Sox, we play the Yankees, we play the Orioles, even spring training, uh, on, a, on a pickup basketball court, whatever, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. if we're playing against them, if we're competing, we're winning. Um, so yes, so to do that, and, and uh, you know they beat us pretty good in the in the regular season series. Um, but when it came time to crunch time in the playoffs, the boys stepped up, uh, and they were pretty pretty excited to say the least once we took that series. And in the clinching game, it was uh, Brennan McKay who threw what five innings, a one hit ball, allowing just an infield hit. Was that as good as you had seen him since he had signed with the Rays? That was the goodest, the best I've seen him since um, he went. We extended him to five innings. You know, early when he first started throwing, he was throwing two to three innings, and he looked that good. And then a couple starts where we got the okay to go five. Um, you know, those, those two starts were kind of—I wouldn't say shaky, but not his best. Um, this was by far and away his best outing, well, lengthwise. I mean, he was pounding the zone, spinning it well, keeping him off balance. It was—it was fun to watch. And the clinching game that you guys had against Vermont um, was probably one of the few times where I actually blew somebody out in the postseason, right? Uh, yeah, we scored, we scored five in the top, top of the second off. Arguably, probably one numbers-wise, one of the best pitchers in the league. Um, the, the kid, Parker Dunstey, he didn't give up an earned run all year as a starting pitcher. Mm. Um, yeah, so to do that against him, you know, showed – so that we can, you know, that those guys can, can play. And, and they put some great at-bats together. Um, they knew the magnitude of the situation. And, and that was a funny thing to watch. And it was capped off by a, a Taylor Walls bomb into the trees. So it was, uh, it was a fun inning. What did you learn about him? Because Taylor also played a pretty major role in the playoffs, and obviously he was part of big-time co- big college ball at Florida State. I mean, I learned, I, I mean those, those college guys, you know, they come to short-season ball. They've been playing – for two years straight, you know, you go from you know from fall baseball, and then you go to the season. They play college summer ball. It's nonstop. Uh, they don't have a break. There's no off season, and and then you go into pro ball where you have to literally play every single day for the during the summer, and then the grind through a regular season, then go in the playoffs, and then to have arguably one of his best games, um, the last game of the year, just shows the type of kid he is, makeup wise, and just physical promise he has i mean he he, he can play as a really good shortstop uh, and trying to find his swing and, and comfort in his swing um for pretty much the whole season and he ended off the year in a great place as someone who began the year with triple a durham i guess you're not surprised also that they won a championship with the talent they had oh my god the talent the talent on that team is is pretty ridiculous um uh, not only the talent just the, the group of guys that are there the character and the makeup of them of the players I mean, it's, it was just fun to be around, um, not to mention the staff that's up there with Jared, led by Jared, and you have Ozzy Timmons, the hitting coach, and then Jared Sandberg, Mike Sandoval, and, you know, Rafi, um, Valenzuela taking my spot. I mean, it's, I mean, the guys there are, are just great to be around. Um, and the players there, you know, hopefully they'll, they'll be up in Tropicana Field, those guys, for the next five to ten years. You're, you're going to spend some time with, 
uh, a portion of those guys here this weekend as you got promoted to the big leagues for a little bit. What did that mean to you? Oh, I mean, it means a lot, you know, to, uh, you know, anytime you step on the big league field, even if it's spring training or, you know, we could just step on the field just to throw BP. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what baseball is all about. That's why you play the game as a kid. Um, is to be on the big league field. Albie, congratulations on a great year. Enjoy this weekend in Baltimore, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the time in Instructional League as well. Thanks, Neil. Always pleasure talking to you, man. That is Hudson Valley manager Craig Albernaz, and we appreciate him and all the guests we had on the program today. Of course, if you want to hear something on the show, tweet me at Neil Solans. want to thank my producer, Len Martez. Coming up, it's the Rays pregame show. This is the Rays Baseball Network.